When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome once again to the 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast. This is episode 131 in our weekly series. I'm your host, Rick Cole. Every week, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, we take a trip down memory lane back in time 50 years, and we bring you all the hockey news from that period in history, exactly as it was written in the words of some of the greatest sports writers of all time. This week, It's May 14th to 20th in the year 1972. Now, if you like what we do here on the podcast and every day on Twitter, you can help us out a lot by going to patreon.com slash hockey50years and subscribe to the podcast. This is probably a good time to do it going into the summer because uh, we're going to be doing uh, a little different work with our our podcast uh, Patreon episodes. Uh, We call them overtime sessions. We're going to do a lot of quick, shorter episodes over the summer where we're going to look at uh, a singular issue every time uh, in the way some of the writers wrote it back then. We'll delve a more Deep, deeper and in greater detail to these stories. Should be interesting because we've got a lot going on with the expansion in the NHL, uh, the World Hockey Association uh, coming into being, and of course, the Summit Series of 1972 is coming up in September, and already here in May of 72, we're seeing a lot of things going on. So patreon.com slash hockey50years to subscribe. On a personal note, a few things I'm happy to report. Uh, You know, I've been bothered by long COVID for most, well, all of this year. And I'm happy to report that the really bad days from long COVID seem to be fewer and fewer as time goes on. In fact, the good days are now outnumbering the bad days. I'm really happy about that. So we're doing things a little more efficiently. We're by no means done with this thing, but a lot of things have improved And I want to just thank everybody for all your patience for hanging in with us as long as you have. So this episode marks our transition from the regular hockey season 
to off-season activities, at least as far as the NHL goes. Because it's 1972, of course, there's going to be, as I just mentioned, a little more news than I think we had in other summers. We got the WHA again. Uh, the expansion should be interesting, uh, especially this 70. Uh, four seventy-five teams that will be coming in. Uh, I we had a lot of doubts about those, and we'll talk about those. I'm hoping to have some interesting features later on in the year from that. But uh, we're working into that as well. And of course, the Summit Series is uh, going to be front and center all summer. We think so. We'll uh, get into this now. Uh, well, one thing we want to talk about: there was still a little bit of hockey being played this week. The Cornwall Royals from Cornwall, Ontario, won the Memorial Cup, which, of course, as you know, is awarded to Canada's Junior A hockey champions every year. Now, this year, the playoff format changed to a round-robin three-team tournament. It was held in Ottawa, and the teams who participated were the Ontario champion, Peterborough Peets. That's right, Cornwall was in the Quebec Junior League, and they were the winners there. And the Western representatives were the Edmonton Oil Kings. Now, Edmonton was boosted considerably. They had a goalie injury. Larry Hendrickson, I think, was their goalkeeper. He was he was out, and they picked up John Davidson from the Calgary Centennials. Davidson was the dominant netminder in the Western Canada Hockey League this season. He won both the top goalie award, and he was named the league MVP. So it really was a coup for the Edmonton team to pick up Davidson and he would go on to have a fairly interesting uh, career as a player and a much more post-playing career life in hockey afterwards, holding a lot of different roles, a very high-profile guy in the hockey world. Now, as we mentioned, this is a new format with a round-robin uh, tournament. There was no actual playoff series to determine the Memorial Cup winner. Rather, after the round-robin was completed, the two top teams would meet in a one-game winner-take-all championship match, and that game was between the Peterborough Peets and the Cornwall Royals. Uh, Cornwall won the game 2-1 to one, thanks to some spectacular goalkeeping. In fact, he was great through the entire tournament. A young fellow by, out of Quebec by the name of Richard Brodeur. Doug Gibson was the Peterborough's best player. But special mention there also goes to Pete's goalie Mike Viser, who did yeoman work uh, in a losing cause. He kept the Pete's in it right up until the end. Toronto Globe and Mail's Gord Walker, who reported on junior hockey as he has for the last few years, was in Ottawa for that final game, and we have his report on the Memorial Cup game. Cornwall Royals parlayed spectacular goaltending and a fluke goal to win their first Memorial Cup. The Quebec League champs upset Peterborough 2-1 in the sudden death final in the Civic Center hothouse. Cornwall goalie Richard Brodeur was so brilliant in his three games that he swept personal honors in the first round robin tournament to decide the Canadian Junior Hockey Championship. Brodeur became the first winner of the Stafford Smythe Memorial Trophy as the outstanding player. The trophy was presented by Dorothea Smythe, wife of the late president of Maple Leaf Gardens, and she was assisted by her son Tommy, general manager of the Toronto Marlboros. 
Brodeur also won the Gruen Watch Award as the tournament's best goalkeeper. And he, of course, was the goalie on the tournament all-star team. Defeat must have been particularly galling for the Ontario Championship. Peets, who had beaten Cornwall 4-2 and Edmonton 6-4 to gain the final with the unbeaten record. After last night's game, the teams had similar 2-1 records, but the Peterborough loss came in the wrong game. What made the setback even more difficult to digest was the fact that the margin between the two teams resulted from what was basically a fluke shot. The teams were wrapped in a scoreless struggle early in the second period when Cornwall's Brian Bowles shot at the Peterborough goal. The puck missed the intended target, but it took a weird bounce off the backboards, flipped up into the air, and headed for the crease. Peterborough goalie Mike Weiser, who played well enough to win all the tributes himself, if the score had been reversed, suddenly saw the puck in its descent pattern. He made a quick lunge, but the puck toppled harmlessly, or actually harmfully, into the goal. The Royals were tinged with good fortune on the winning goal, too. Bowles, again, was the author of the scoring story. He blasted a shot that lost its sting when it hit Bob Neely's stick. However, the puck dropped behind Neely, and there was Gary McGregor all alone in front of Visor, who didn't have a ghost of a chance on the quick slap shot. Mike St. Cyr scored the Peterborough goal late in the second period to send the teams into the final period nodded at 1-1. Brodeur said, that was the only shot I didn't see. I was on my knees on the other side after saving Colin Campbell's shot from the left point when Sincere scored the goal. Brodeur insisted he was no better during the tournament than he had been all during the season. Uh, Brodeur said, I had a 2.9 2.9 average in the Quebec League, and that's the best in Canada. Brodeur's only 5'7", 150 pounds, but he stood tall for the Cornwall Royals on this night. Also this week, the American Hockey League Calder Cup Championship was decided with the Nova Scotia Voyagers defeating the Baltimore Clippers to bring the American Hockey League title north of the border to Canada. Nova Scotia was well stocked by their parent team, the powerful Montreal Canadiens, and they had players such as goalies Wayne Thomas and Michelle Plass, defenseman Bob Murray and a kid named Larry Robinson and forwards Chuck Arneson, Chuck Lefley, Murray Wilson and Ray Como, among others. The coach of this team was last year's Stanley Cup winning coach Al McNeil and Al was more than happy to win the Calder Cup for his hometown of Halifax. The Western Hockey League, remember them, the league that was on par with the American Hockey League? Well, they held their annual general meeting this week and it was in a kind of a nice place to have a meeting it was in Hawaii uh, these guys are acting like they're big league aren't they they Western Hockey League once upon a time had designs on actually competing on a level playing surface with the NHL but the NHL expansion in 1967 basically put that idea uh 
out of the minds of the Western Hockey League owners. Well, this week, league president Bill McFarland proclaimed that the Loop is in excellent health and has great prospects for the future. The league even granted a new franchise to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I had heard very little about that town up until that point, and another franchise that was very troubled, Salt Lake City, got new ownership. The Salt Lake Club, had uh, their franchise had actually been up in the air since the untimely death of owner Dan Mile earlier, Dan Meyer earlier this year. But Bill McFarlane and the rest of the WHL guys, they found an owner for the Salt Lake team. Now, we had heard that Joe Crozier, who uh, had been the interim coach of the Buffalo Sabres this year, more on Joe later, uh, Joe was trying to buy that franchise, but in their infinite wisdom, the uh, governors of the Western Hockey League decide to sell the Salt Lake team to Charles O. Finley, owner of the National Hockey League's California franchise. So now Charlie O. owns the Salt Lake City Golden Eagles and the California Golden Seals. And isn't that a match made in heaven? There's a new $200 million sports complex being constructed. Not underway yet, but it was announced that it will be built in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And this will house baseball and football teams in a brand new stadium, as well as a National Hockey League caliber arena for a future big league hockey club for some time in the last half of the decade of the 19th. 1970s. That would give us three teams in the metro New York area and that people are wondering if two teams is too many plus uh, a pseudo big league team in the New York Raiders of the WHA and now you want to put one in New Jersey. I don't think the NHL will expand there anytime soon. This is from Will McDonough of the Boston Globe. Bobby Orr is going to take a three-week vacation and then return to Massachusetts General Hospital to have his ailing left knee operated on during the second week in June. Bruins President Western Adams says, I talked to Bobby over the weekend. He's consulted with the doctors. Bobby told Weston that he has some floating cartilage in his knee, and that's caused the knee to lock from time to time. And if you ever had that happen, it's a scary proposition, I know. So rather than going on like... Uh, he has been going on. Adam says or decided to have the cartilage removed. It doesn't sound like that type of thing that's going to take 90 days to recover from. Adam says that he expects Bobby to be working out again a month or so after the surgery. Now, Orr has had three operations on that knee, and he's always responded well to that sort of treatment. Anybody who's seen him play over the last three hockey seasons can attest to that. We have a bit of news on the Bernie Perrant situation. As you know, Bernie was goalkeeper for the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, but he signed a multi-year contract with the World Hockey Association Miami Screaming Eagles for somewhere between $600,000 and $750,000 over five years. But the World Hockey Association revoked that Screaming Eagles franchise when owner Herbie Martin 
couldn't come through on his promise to build a uh, major league arena in Miami, mainly because they had nowhere to park where he was going to build it. And after that, he couldn't find a place for the team to play in. So Perrant's contract was somehow regarded as still in effect, even though he had no team for which to play. Ed Fitkin, the old Hockey Night in Canada broadcaster, now a publicity guy for the WHA, said at a league press conference that there were at least three teams bidding for Perrant services, two of whom made themselves known. Both the New England Whalers and the Minnesota Fighting Saints were open about their desire to bring uh, Perrant to their franchise. So far, there has been no mention of Perrant returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs or for that matter any other NHL team. Now one story that was making the rounds later in the week had Perrant's lawyer Howard Casper trying to relocate the Miami franchise on his own and he was trying to get the team to move to Philadelphia which would make Mr. and particularly Mrs. Perrant very happy. He was even trying to broker a deal whereby the WHA team would play at the Spectrum. A problem with that, though, is that the National Hockey League Flyers also control the Spectrum Arena, and it's not very likely they would want a team from a competitor league playing in that building, especially with their star player being the goalie that that team had traded away. The thing that would probably cure all that, though, would be charging such a high amount of rent that the income would well, would offset any losses of revenue or loss of face that the Flyers might experience. As the week went on, though, it even got more interesting. The WHA announced that had had given a Philadelphia group, and they didn't mention whether Casper was part of this nebulous group or not, but they gave the group an option on a league franchise should those involved manage to work out something with the Spectrum. And that's something we'll stay tuned to for the rest of the summer. Two National Hockey League players were seen in Ottawa. That's where Fitkin's press conference was, by the way. And they were speaking with Edmonton WHA owner Bill Hunter, also a member of the league's executive committee. These two NHL players were Toronto center Jimmy Harrison and Buffalo defenseman Alan Hamilton, who's an Edmonton native, I believe. Another Leafs player, Denny Duperry, admitted that he had been talking to Doug Michelle, owner of the Ottawa Nationals, and the uh, two Ottawa papers even proclaimed that Duperry was likely to be the first player signed by the Nationals in their history. Now, this uh, Ottawa presser, again, Gord Walker in Ottawa covering the Memorial Cup, he had a bit of a story on this uh, this WHA thing, and this was a lot of, we're talking about futures, we're not talking about hard news right now, but there were updates on each of the franchises. We're going to give you a bit about that from Gord Walker. Gord writes that as a news conference, this effort by the World Hockey Association came off like a midday social, blooming with gossip, but barren of news. Most important pronouncement came from Bill Hunter, general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Yes, at this point, they were still calling the Edmonton team the Oil Kings. 
Hunter said, we're delighted to announce that we'll be announcing some big name signings back in Edmonton. Promises were what kept coming out of WHA mouths, but the only concrete signs of an emerging pro hockey life was the presence in the Skyline Hotel of people like Jim Harrison and the aforementioned Al Hamilton. Harrison, who was maybe the best Toronto Maple Leaf performer in the playoffs, conferred in the lobby with Hunter before meeting and then accompanying him into an elevator. The news conference was almost over before Hunter put in an appearance. Later, Hunter chatted over the coffee table with Hamilton. Earlier, he had told the conference, in my pocket, I have the signed contracts of two outstanding stars of the National Hockey League. Pardon me. Former outstanding stars of the National Hockey League. And some uh, informant said, you can bet it's Harrison and Billy Lasuk of the LA Kings. One out of two ain't bad, I guess. Doug Michelle, the Toronto owner of the Ottawa Nationals, who looks serious in his most uproarious moments, agreed that the media should have been informed uh, that they had called together not for any great news disclosure, but simply to meet all the representatives of the 10, not 12, WHA teams. This was the first time the 10 GMs had all been together, and we thought it would be a good idea to have the media folks meet and talk to them, and talk to them they did, and learning a lot they did not. Keeping in the general theme of things, Buck Hool, the general manager of Michelle's Ottawa team, said he didn't have any announcements to make right at the moment, but he said he would have a blockbuster press conference very soon. Hool said, we're going to have a pretty good announcement to make in the coming week, one that will shake the nation's capital. And on May 23rd, I will be in a position to name the coach of the Ottawa Nationals. That's unless the guy who's being considered begs him not to give him the job. And that's the way most of the guys spoke. Anna Stukas is the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, and he said that they have six or seven players signed, but he wouldn't tell them who he is, and he said, we hope to announce two NHL players very, very soon. One concrete piece of news from the Jets they have 1,200 season tickets sold. Now, Marvin Milks, the former baseball guy who now generally manages the New York Raiders, says, we've signed some players and we'll have many announcements in the next 10 days. Marius Forche, he's of the Quebec Nordique, said, I can assure you Quebec will be strong, but I want to make our announcements at home in Quebec. Jim Smith is the general manager of the Houston Arrows, and he said in the next 10 days, the Houston Arrows will announce 10 or 12 signings. The general manager of the Chicago Cougars, one I think is a pretty shaky franchise, is Ed Short, formerly the general manager of baseball's Chicago White Sox, and he simply said, Chicago's the greatest hockey city in the United States. They don't have the greatest hockey team right now, and the Chicago Cougars are not even going to be a poor second to that. Dennis Murphy, he's the former executive vice president of the WHA. Now he's basically the owner of that league's Los Angeles Sharks, proclaimed that the Sharks have signed 12 players. But this is the interesting part of this. He says three of those players come from Europe. 
and they have all their dates approved and the lease signed for wherever they're going to play. And I think they're going to split games between the Los Angeles Sports Arena and the one in Long Beach. The league publicist is Lee Mead. Well, he's actually the uh, public relations director. And he said that Jack Kelly of the New England Whalers, Jack, the former Boston College coach, now the coach general manager of the New England WHA franchise, was at the meeting, but he had rushed away because he was going to sign two players, and those players would be announced sometime this week. We're going to have one of them for you before the end of the week, maybe two. Now, Vern Buffy is the WHA referee-in-chief, and he said that he would announce the names of some of the officials next month. Some of these guys, he said, would be a great surprise to you. And as a little hint, I would say that Vern will probably hold his press conference on a Friday. Well, there's a bit more. Actually, there's a lot of WHA news this week. Uh, the very next day, they moved to Quebec City, and they had another uh, press conference after the Board of Trustees of the WHA entered their second day of meetings, and one uh, contentious issue was apparently settled. The newly formed league was uh, recently went down to 10 entrants when Miami and Calgary failed to post their $100,000 performance bonds. On arrival at Quebec City, the trustees appeared destined to face another defection when reports appeared in the local press that the Les Nordiques, the Quebec entry, was asking for a year's delay in starting up they didn't want to start until the 73-74 season, and that was because of financial problems. Well, following day-long meetings that included lunch with Quebec City Mayor Gilles Lamontagne, Gary Davidson, that's the WHA president, told a hastily convened news conference that whatever problems appeared to be there had been resolved. Davidson said the Nordiques will be in for 72 and at this time we'll go with 10 teams. He said for sure Miami's out but there's another group from Calgary that's making an application. Now here's another interesting thing that Davidson came out with. He said there's possibility of several other cities joining the league right away and those cities are in Philadelphia, Salt Lake City, Kansas City, Kansas and Montreal joining the league. Montreal lawyer Morden Lazarus was scheduled to meet the trustees of the league to represent the interest on the day of the press conference, but as of the time of the presser, that hadn't taken place. Now, asked if the Montreal group intended to place a team there, Davidson said he understood that that was their intention. He did set a date of June 1st to increase to more than 10 teams. In Quebec City that day, in addition to uh, DuPerry, uh, there were a couple other hockey players that were there to talk contract as well. Gordon Labossier, who's from St. Boniface, Manitoba, and Ralph McSwain of Hawkesbury, Ontario, were present and they were talking to a couple couple of people uh, about teams. Labossier was, if you remember, the first skater chosen by the LA Kings in the original 1967 expansion draft. The first goalie, of course, the Kings took Terry Sachuk. He was also the World Hockey Association's first draft choice in that mammoth draft they held back in February. 
And he was picked at that time by Dayton, which is now the Houston Arrows, and that's where he'll play if he can manage to work out a contract. McSwain was drafted by the L.A. Sharks, and he was waiting to see if a deal could be worked out so that he could sign with the Sharks and then be traded to Ottawa. Dennis Dupere, as we mentioned, was was sniffing around. Well, he's talking to Ottawa, and he said, you know, the contract they offer me, uh, it's good. The figures look good. No, he's not getting six figures. Don't worry about that. But it is uh, indicated that Dupere has been offered about twice as, twice as much as he was getting from the Leafs, and that was for a seven-goal, ten-assist season in the NHL. Dupere said he'd likely talk to Toronto Maple Leaf President Harold Ballard before he reaches any final decision. He says that the Leafs treated him just fine, but he hasn't heard from them since the end of the season. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League, they have an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers to DraftKings can bet $5 on any team to win, and you get $100 in free bets no matter what the outcome, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game parlays you can do just that create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win how many goals will be scored much much more it's your shot at an even bigger payout DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN bet five dollars on any NHL team to win and you get a hundred dollars in free bets no matter what happens that's code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply and see our show notes for all the details. Probably the biggest WHA story this week, though, comes out of Chicago. We all knew that the World Hockey Association was trying to woo Bobby Hall away from the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, Bob Verde actually had the first part of this story. Uh... And this is pretty interesting. Now, no one has said anything about this for a week or two. And this is a story that Bob Verde came out with early in the week. In an effort to secure Bobby Hull as a league asset, officials of the World Hockey Association agreed to offer financial assistance to the Winnipeg Jets in their pursuit of the Chicago Blackhawks star left wing. The action was taken in Quebec City where the WHA trustees had been meeting. There had been some resistance by a few of the proposed league's 10 clubs in assisting Jets owner Ben Hatskin in his offer to Hull reportedly $2.5 million for 10 years. But a league source told the Chicago Tribune, that's Verdi's paper, after yesterday's discussions, this came out I believe on Tuesday, that all members of the league gave the go-ahead to continue serious negotiations with Bobby Hull. Each franchise would throw in about a hundred grand in the quest of Hall. The rest of the bill would be footed by Hatskin's group. 
it was our most significant meeting yet on Hull, the unnamed source uh, said. Went on to say that some of the clubs felt that they weren't in the position to pay this kind of money, uh, especially for a player that wasn't going to play for them. And some felt that no professional hockey player merited that amount of money. But the members now agree that Bobby Hull would be an incredibly tremendous boost to the WHA. This source that Verdi spoke to said that Mr. Hatskin's group could handle the offer itself, but the league members felt that no man should put up that amount of money for any kind of hockey player. So the other teams will be prepared to help out and negotiations will continue on the highest level, which means that league president Gary Davidson, Hatskin, Hull, and his agent will be four people at the table discussing this rather lofty goal of bringing Bobby Hull to the WHA. And now the other half of the story. A few days later, Bobby Hull, he was pestered by everybody who saw him. He couldn't go out in public because everybody wanted to know what was going on. Well, Bobby finally told Verdi and several other hockey reporters that yes, not only was he talking to the World Hockey Association, but the offer that they made him was more than substantial, and the paperwork that they presented to him looked very valid. He had left everything in the hands of his lawyer, but if this money turns out to be real, Bobby Hull says the Winnipeg Jets will have themselves a hockey player. Bobby Hall confirming if the money is real, he's going to leave the National Hockey League to go to the WHA and we would bet this might give some other high profile hockey players pause to reflect on their futures. Former NHL defenseman and Baltimore Clippers team captain Kent Douglas announced this week that he's retiring from hockey. It's been a great run, Kent said, but it's time to go. Asked what he's going to do, knowing that he'd been drafted by the New York Raiders of the WHA, Kent says, I think I've had enough of hockey. I've been giving it serious thought, but right now I just might try the pro golf tour. Uh, Kent has been a, a golf professional in Rochester for the past few years, and he says he's not going to change his mind. He wants to play golf year-round. Ace Bailey of the Boston Bruins gotten some hot water this week. Uh, Anthony Pearson of the Boston Globe has the story. Boston Bruins forward Garnet Ace Bailey, who was charged with drunkenness and disorderly conduct following his arrest, was released on personal recognizance and his case was continued. Salem District Court Judge David T. Doyle said a hearing would be held on the complaint on June 2nd and Bailey did not enter a plea at the time of his arraignment. Bailey, who's 23 of 65 Franklin Street, Boston, was arrested at the state police barracks on Route 1 at 2.20 a.m. shortly after he and five, quote, supporters, translation, drinking buddies, 
arrived to seek the release of a friend who had been arrested on similar charges about an hour before. According to, to State Police Sergeant John Clemens, Lawrence Garden... Uh, was arrested by troopers Robert Morrison and Thomas Brock following a scuffle in which Gordon, Bailey, and two other men were allegedly involved at EJ's Lounge on Route 1 in Rowley. Now, the reason this is called EJ's is because this lounge bar is owned by the Bruins goalie, Eddie Johnson. A large gathering of Boston Bruins players and fans reportedly were winding up a Stanley Cup celebration at EJ's when the troopers arrived to shut the place down, or as they said, close the place up. Trooper Arnold Ellis said there had been a fight involving the quartet behind the lounge. Meet me outside kind of thing. A side door to the establishment had been torn from its hinges, according to the trooper. Gordon allegedly became abusive, and he was subdued and arrested at the club. The others were not arrested because the police had not seen the fight in question. Shortly afterward, Ellis added, that's the trooper Ellis, Bailey, accompanied by three men and two women, arrived at the barracks and demanded the release of Gordon. Ellis said Bailey began arguing with Lieutenant William Morrissey and tried to force his way into the guardroom. Now, if you ever met Ace Bailey, you could see him doing this. Ace was one hard character. Now, Trooper Ellis said after being forcibly removed once, he tried again, and at that point, he was placed under arrest and lodged in a cell. Gordon, who was arraigned in Newburyport District Court, was ordered released in his own recognizance, and Judge Norman Espovich, not Esposito, Espovich, ordered his case continued on June 3rd. Meanwhile, a bartender at the club, as bartenders are wont to do, denied that there had been any trouble at all at the night spot. He said that no door had been torn from its hinges, as the state police reported. Having been a police officer for 25 years, half of that time in a uh, uniform capacity, I went to, I don't even know how many of these things. Bartenders are always very, very helpful to themselves. Ontario Hockey Association star Dave Gardner, he centered the big line for the Toronto Marlies of himself, Steve Shutt, and Billy Harris, has retained Al Eagleson as his agent. His uh, line mate Harris uh, is thought to also be in agents stable or Eagleson stable of players. Now all three of these guys are expected to be first round NHL draft picks in June with Harris likely to go to the New York Islanders who hold the first overall choice. But the New York Raiders drafted all three of these players in that WHA draft and they're going to attempt to sign these three kids as a group to their team and that would be quite a coup to the fledgling New York WHA franchise. Well, Punch Emlack confirmed he will not return to his coaching duties with the Buffalo Sabres 
He's done coaching. He says, so he says, I don't even like it anymore. But Punch says he is going to retain his general manager portfolio with the NHL team. At a press conference in Buffalo, Imlac said the coaching job has been offered to the fellow who was the interim coach, bench boss Joe Crozier. But at the time of the press conference, Crozier had not informed the team whether he'd accept the position. Now, it was believed, as we had mentioned earlier, Joe was engaged at this point in attempting to buy a a Western Hockey League team so that he could run an entire pro hockey operation on his own. Now, that team was believed to be the Salt Lake City Golden Eagles, and the reason Joe wasn't at this press conference, he was probably, although no one would confirm it, in Hawaii romancing the Western Hockey League Board of Governors. But the WHL governors decided they want a bigger name than Joe Crozier in their friendly little loop, and they awarded the Golden Eagles to Charles O. Finley. And by the end of the week, the Crow had accepted Imlac's offer and became the next coach of the Buffalo Sabres. The murkiness around another coaching job was clarified this week when the Bruins announced that Tom Johnson would return for another season behind the bench of the Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. Johnson told Will McDonough of the Boston Globe that while all the talk of his being fired right after the playoffs had been going on since late in the season, he said it bothered him, but he worked really hard to keep it separate from his running his hockey team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He said the players never mentioned it once and that they were all firmly behind him. Management seemed to see that too. So they brought Tom back for another year because he does have one year left on his contract. And of course, Weston Adams Jr. probably didn't want to waste a year playing, paying Tom Johnson the not coach's team. One other coaching note this week, the St. Louis Blues gave Al Arbor another two-year deal to remain as their coach, and Arbor is very happy to have that post in St. Louis, and he says he's a much better coach now than he won as he was in his first go-round with the team. A building permit from Summit County Commissioners is all Nick Maletti needed to build his sports coliseum in Richfield Township, about 20 miles outside of Cleveland. The $17 million structure came a step closer when Akron City Council unanimously authorized extension of water and sewer services to the Coliseum site located at Ohio Road 303 and Interstate 271. By the end of the week, Maletti had his building permit and also had a lawsuit from a group of township residents trying to block the construction of that rink. A neat little cat and mouse game went on this week if you were following along 50 years ago. Former Bruins coach Harry Sinden was playing cat the cat and mouse game with reporters while he was watching the Stanley Cup going on. Somebody asked Harry uh, about rumors that he was returning to coaching. Harry smiled, gave a little wink and said, where there's smoke there's fire. Lots of people thought Harry was going to the Islanders, the new Islanders team. There was talk that Atlanta was after him. Somebody said he had the Toronto job if he wanted it. They also said that about 
Tom Johnson, by the way. And others just uh, said Harry's got something lined up somewhere. It was well known that the California Golden Seals made Harry a very lucrative offer. None of those things would turn out to be true. By the end of the week, we got an idea of exactly what Harry was being so mysterious about. He then made it very publicly known in several interviews that he does want a coaching job and the job he will take, he was offering himself for it, was coaching the team of Canadian professionals that would face the Soviet Union this fall in what would come to be known as the Summit Series. And you know what? As we thought of this, it made a lot of sense to me. He wasn't coaching for anybody. He could devote his full attention to this Canadian team. Harry's a smart guy. He's had a year away to maybe clear his mind. He might be the perfect guy to coach that Canadian team. You know, this year with all the uh, stuff that was going on with the Detroit Red Wings, we thought that the Alex Delvecchio might just be all through with the Red Wings at the end of this year. There were rumors of a serious rift with Ned Harkness, you know, about Harkness, Harkness taking away the uh, rights for smoking in the Red Wing dressing room. Uh, there were trade rumors even had him going to the LA Kings or being drafted by the New New York or Atlanta clubs. Well, that's fooled them all and he signed his 22nd one-year contract with the Red Wings, terming it his best contract ever. Another Red Wing, a couple Red Wings signed this week. Gary Bergman inked a new deal with the Wings for three years. Nick Libet refused a really good offer from the WHA Ottawa Nationals. He signed a new deal with the Red Wings and just before the week ended, Red Berenson followed up signing a two-year deal of his own. A lot of people wonder why we in Canada sometimes have problems with uh, our neighbors to the south in their attitudes. Well, this is the kind of attitude that just drives Canadians nuts. The Massachusetts House of Representatives has proclaimed Boston is the hockey capital of the world. The legislators noted that the Bruins won the Stanley Cup. The Braves were amazing, winning their division, but not a championship, in the American Hockey League. And Boston University captured the U.S. College National Championship. Takes more than that to be the hockey capital of the world, Massachusetts House of Representatives. The OHA Junior A League held its midget draft this week. This is uh, where the uh, Major Junior Hockey League drafts players who are graduating from the midget ranks in Ontario and near, actually hockey anywhere pretty well. Mostly Ontario, though. They don't go into other provinces too much. Well, there was a really interesting, uh, some drama, I guess you could say, at the very top of the draft. Mark Howe, son of retired uh, Red Wings great Gordy Howe, was a, a shoe-in to be the first pick by the last place finishers during the season, the Hamilton Red Wings. The Wings, however, did select a player who was son of a former NHL defense uh, player, and that was NHL defenseman Lee Foglin. His son, Lee Foglin Jr., was the first choice by the Hamilton Red Wings. The London Knights were drafting second, couldn't believe it. When Howe was available, as most teams say in their first pick, it was true this time, and 
the London Knights picked Marty Howe second. Now, here is interesting. Nick Durbano, the Hamilton owner-manager, said, We've selected Foglin because he is the best prospect in Canada. He's a good one who should be a big star in our league. But Howe said he isn't going to go to the Knights. He will play for the Toronto Marlboros or he will go to an American college. Those are the two choices that he believes he has for himself. One of the NHL's really good guys called it a career this week, Dean Prentice, the longtime New York Ranger who also played for Boston, Detroit, Pittsburgh, and the North Stars last season, hangs up his skates after 20 years in the NHL. I met Dean at an NHL alumni luncheon a couple years ago. A wonderful man, very, very nice fellow. Uh, and at this point in time, you know, I was very pleased to have met Dean Prentice. Uh, and he was one of the good guys around the NHL. Another former NHL star, Don McKenney, who spent 13 years in the NHL with Boston, New York, Detroit, and St. Louis, has signed as coach of the Concord Eastern Olympics in the New England Hockey League. Don retired from hockey in 1970 and took on the coaching duties at Northeastern University, and he retains that position as well. And there's a little bit of a connection between Don McKenney and Dean Prentice. And if you're listening, that's your homework for this week, boys and girls. Find out that connection. The California Seals announced that they're switching their training camp from Oshawa, Ontario, down uh, Lake Ontario, or actually up Lake Ontario a bit, to Kingston. And the Minnesota North Stars are also moving their training camp from Winnipeg back to Bloomington, Minnesota. And the reason they're leaving Winnipeg? Well, that's because... The Winnipeg Jets of the WHA are going to be uh, preempting the North Stars, I would think, in that training facility. National Hockey League uh, All-Star teams announced this week. First team goal, Tony Esposito. Defense, Bobby Orr and Brad Park. Phil Esposito, Rod Gilbert, and Bobby Hull make up the forward line. And on the second team, Ken Dryden, as a rookie, becomes a second team All-Star. Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Bill White and Pat Stapleton on the blue line. And the forwards, Jean Rattel and Vic Hadfield of the Rangers. And the roadrunner, Edan Cornoyer of the Montreal Canadiens. I've had some people chastise me here for being too hard on Ned Harkness, the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, there are people who actually believe we're being too hard on them. Well, here's this week's edition of Ned Harkness showing the world just how out of touch he was in his player assessment abilities, not to mention other things to do with running a hockey team. This is an actual quote from Jim uh, from Harkness to Jim Nelson of the Windsor Star. Uh, Nelson was asking Ned about his goalkeeping, and he said, I'd like to pick up a Villamere or a Dryden, but ones, the goalies that is, that might be available, haven't played enough to determine whether they're any better than what we got. Al Smith, he shared net mining duties with Joe Daly and Andy Brown last year. Well, Harkness said Al Smith is working on a physical fitness program to improve his agility. And he says, Andy Brown, Andy Brown, whom the Red Wings have, third on their depth chart right now, Harkness's quote is, Andy Brown is destined for greatness in goal. 
He indicates that the improvement in the Red Wings goalkeeping will come from within. One of my favorite guys, Gump Worsley, celebrated his 43rd birthday last Sunday. He had a good year with the North Stars, and with the kind of contract he had, his earnings may have amounted to around $60,000. And he signed a new two-year contract recently, which runs through the 1974 playoffs. And Gump says, and a week after those playoffs, I'll be 45, and I'll be eligible for my NHL pension. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with Gump's timing on these things. A few contract signings uh, near the end of the week. Pete and Frank Mahovlich resigned with the Montreal Canadiens. Pete had been strongly pursued by the WHA Minnesota Fighting Saints, but in the end, he opted for the stability of playing in the NHL and, of course, the opportunity to continue to play on a team with his big brother, Frank. The Flyers signed tough guy left winger Dave Schultz, who certainly uh, caused some stir in the American Hockey League last year with the Flyers AHL farm team in Richmond, Virginia. The WHA New York Raiders had offered Schultz a very good contract, but he's another guy that likes the stability of the established NHL. The St. Louis Blues gave Jean-Guy Talbot a two-year contract to continue coaching and generally managing the Denver Spurs of the Western Hockey League. Former NHL star Earl Ingerfield resigned his post as the coach of the Junior A Regina Pats to accept the chief Western Scout gig with the new New York Islanders team in the NHL. Ingerfield will work under the Islanders' chief of scouting, Eddie Chadwick. And finally, just a little bit about the uh, Canada-Russia series in September. NHL President Clarence Campbell says that he believes that no NHL owners will cause any problems in allowing their players, who are mostly almost all Canadian, to participate in the series against the Russians. Al Eagleson says he knows that they won't get in the way because if they do, he's going to take them to court. That's right. That's what Eagleson says. And I have no doubt that he would do that, but I don't think anybody would get in the way. This is a big deal. Uh, the big worry for Eagleson these days was that Bobby Orr's gimpy knee might make him physically unavailable. But he says, you know what, we've got a lot of other good players who will take his place. Now, another uh, question that came up, uh, our last item for this week was that they wondered if players like Walter Kachuk and Ken Hodge would be eligible to play for Canada. You see, Kachuk and Hodge were not born in Canada. Kachuk in Europe and Hodge, I believe, in England. Joe Kriska, the president of the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association, settled that argument by telling reporters that in a series such as this, the only qualification would be that the Canadian players must all be Canadian citizens, and so we don't have to worry about that. As it would turn out, the World Hockey Association is going to be a bigger problem than where a player was completely born. So that's this week's show, everybody, and what did we learn this time around? Well, 
The World Hockey Association seems to be becoming a real thing a little more each week. Even Bobby Hull says that there's a strong possibility he's going to jump to the new league. It just doesn't seem possible at this point in time. But you get these nagging doubts that maybe the NHL types have underestimated this group. Now, having said that, some very big names did commit to remaining with their teams, not the least of which were the Mahavlich brothers, Peter and Frank. And some of the NHL coaches from last season have been quick to sign up for another term, while one, Tom Johnson, he avoided the ox that was rumored to be certain to fall upon him after the Stanley Cup playoffs had concluded. Johnson is a decent guy, and we were glad that the Bruins just didn't summarily dismiss him after winning the Stanley Cup. We will be back next week with lots more off-season news. We're heading into late spring and then into summer not long after. The NHL meetings are coming up, and it's going to be a very interesting next couple of months, I think. The 50 Years Ago in Hockey podcast is produced by Andy Cole. I can't thank him enough for all his hard work that he puts into this thing. Andy can produce a podcast for you very professionally. If you think of starting one up, get a hold of me and I'll hook you guys up. He's a true media professional. The very popular Juno-nominated Toronto Indie Rock Group, the Rural Alberta Advantage, provides our intro and exit music. You ever get a chance to see them perform live? Don't miss the opportunity. They put on a great high-energy show. Other musical pieces and sound effects are by Andy Cole as well. Our research comes from files from the Toronto Star, Toronto Global Mail, and of course, the many publications found at newspapers.com. You can find us every day on Twitter at at Hockey 50 Years. We have a Facebook page 50 years ago on hockey, a WordPress site, and, of course, through your favorite podcast app and on the Hockey Podcast Network. Don't forget our other sponsors, the Breakwall Brewing Company, beautiful downtown Port Coburn, one of the uh, best spots to go in Port Coburn for craft beer and amazing pub food. You ever get down to Port Coburn, please look me up, and we'll get together for a beer and a burger at the break wall. Thanks again to everyone who's been tuning in. This has been an amazing hockey season. The rest of the year promises to be even more exciting and we'll be with you all the way. On that note, we'll see you next time. When the 